0: Growth requires more than capital. Why do we call it the cheat code? Nobody said growth had to be fair.
1: Revenue solves everything.
0: Welcome to the cheat code. Code. What was our fastest path to revenue? We tend to like to do things the hard way. What's the cheat code? It's giving yourself an unfair advantage over the others. What is it
1: that really works and how are we going to grow these organizations? That's our cheat code. Welcome back again. Another episode of the Cheat Code. I am your host Justin Gray, along with my co-host Mr. Josh Wagner, and we're joined today by Mr. David Paul. Many of you may know David; he's the CEO and founder over at uh, DWP Capital. Great friend of of In Revenue, been a great mentor to us as we've gotten into the, into the space. So we're excited to have you, have you on the pod today, man. Thank you. It's uh, it's really a pleasure to be here. So, David, uh, I know it's been a while since we chatted about, uh, obviously, the thesis here, our thesis on this podcast is, you know, the cheat code, things people do that are are just a bit outside the norm, uh, unconventional to drive really, you know, uh, therefore uncommon results. And I thought yours was interesting. Not only is it a three-part answer, which I guess any good VC makes everything a framework, but, uh, you know, it has some really strong play into how you got into the space to start off with. So give us a little bit of a breakdown, maybe, you know, a little bit about your background, but specifically, you know, your, your stepping stones to getting here under that, that, uh, that umbrella.
2: Sure. So, you know, I started, um, I guess my business career in, in healthcare administration, Uh, I worked in behavioral health, and then, um, I decided to be entrepreneurial and, uh, I started a company and I sold it. It wasn't like a barn burner exit, but, you know, I learned one thing, which is I hated being a CEO and the world hated me being a CEO. And so, you know, uh, it was not, um, but I built something and, you know, I checked in later a couple of years, same client, same employee. So I guess it was valuable. So through a little bit of nepotism. Um, hey, well, what space is this in? Uh, it was in home care. It was in home okay. care. Yeah, so it's a health healthcare services company. It was essentially arbitraging, you know, human labor, and you know, with a brand. It was uh, it was a shitty business, and we uh, we I sold it, and I wanted to do something else. I went to an angel um, an angel capital conference to learn about angel investing. And at the time, I kind of reconnected to uh, my older brother, who is a venture capital private equity guy up in New York, who's much older than I am. We have different mothers. And he basically stated, you know, you should start looking at early stage technology companies in uh, undercapitalized areas like Phoenix and, you know, surrounding non-Silicon Valley type areas. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And he had a relationship with a fund, uh, a $13 million seed stage fund in, in Arizona. And he said... I think you should go out there and work for free. And, you know, I was like, okay, you know, it's not like I was taking like a huge paycheck, you know, at my company, you know, it's, you know, you put everything back into the business. So I went out there for 90 days and, um, you know, was an unpaid intern and I decided I wanted to do do venture because I fell in love with it. Um, It was a very steep learning curve. So I sold the business, I sold my house and I moved out here. Um, And so that was basically, and kind of all into it. But yeah. And then I spent about a year and a half, uh, over there and then got recruited into another, uh,
1: another family office. So, I mean, like that, that's it's funny. I just had a conversation this morning with someone like talking about, you know, how do I get into a space? You know, obviously they, they currently have a job. They've always been an employee type of a, a situation and like big aspirations and dreams. Like you kind of not necessarily breeze past it, but like, Hey, yeah, I went out and worked as an unpaid intern and, you know, and ended up selling all these things. Like, what, what do you think enabled you to do that? Is that just like innate entrepreneurial spirit or, or did you get some advice that was like, obviously your brother and so on, but like, I feel like that's a jump that like so many people are not willing to make.
2: Yeah. I mean, I feel like I don't know if there's like a full body yet, right, to certain opportunities that come along in your life, uh, certain things to invest in where you're just like, yes, 100%, I should do this. And if I don't do this, I'm an idiot, right? Mm-hmm. And that that was one of them. Um, you know, it helped that I had, you know, a, you know, I had some personal capital that, you know, like, I, 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 I'm not trying to make light of, of it. Like, you know, there's a lot of people that you know, need to figure out their financial situation before they can make a leap like that. I didn't have the, those problems. So I was able to do it, but it was a full body. Yeah. Um, I just had to, you know, realize that, you know, I was not, I'm going to be at the bottom rung of the ladder. I am going to be uncomfortably new in everything that I was doing. And for quite a long time, I didn't know anything about technology and I didn't really know anything about finance to tell you the truth. So that was just kind of how I did it.
0: What were those things though, that kind of gave you that? Yes, you know, I have to, right? Because I think that a lot of people like, have a lot of big dreams and aspirations and they're like, I, I should be doing better or whatever it may be. What? But even that conviction, what did you see in that short time when you worked for free that made you say, yeah, I, I really do need to do that?
2: Being exposed to early stage investing, um, like it, it there is a there's a lot that sucks about it, right? I will tell you that straight up. And everyone talks about how glorious and wonderful being a venture capital is, and it's not, right? Like I, I, I often want to pull my hair out, and I go to, and I have a hard time sleeping. I, sh- I take melatonin every single night to go to bed because I'm constantly up with anxiety. But the good things about venture capital is that you know you are able to be in intertwined with the most innovative wonderful people on the planet they're building super wonderful things and can you imagine trying to just be like a, a leverage buyout private equity guy like going out and like buying like HVAC companies and like seeing how if you could like you know just how to how to rip off like mom and pop like and then put right. it together and how much you could leverage i mean that's like that's fucking miserable you know <laughs> like i couldn't think of a worse way to make money in finance so it's in the, in the world of finance to be a part of something that's new and growing, um, I think was a very cool opportunity. And I guess, you know, the people pleaser in me really liked the ability to be, you know, be valuable and be liked and like, you know, be able to, you know, use my superpowers, which is kind of networking and building relationships. I was able to kind of foster the things I was the best at and, uh, be able to kind of suss out the stuff I wasn't.
1: It's awesome. So let's get into the, the David Paul three-step cheat code here like how do you think about you know like the ability to kind of look back and and summarize like those three elements of of your cheat
2: yeah so if i was to distill kind of what has been effective for me as a cheat it would be really three characteristics it would be first like you have to have a desire an honest desire at the full body yes towards something right and I think there's a level of maturity people need to have in order to to get that desire. They need to understand who they are as a as a person and what really gives them like emotional juice. Because if you're running towards money, like you can get burned out and thrown away. You know, it's money plus
1: something, right? You know, it's so, so important. Like, every again, so many conversations about like, I want to go, you know, maybe it's CMO, maybe it's, you know, COO. And it's like that next step in the career progression, it's always strangely tangential as well. It'll be like someone who's very tactical and operational, like wants to be a CMO. And it's like, I don't see the bridge there. You know what I mean? But like that, that (laughs) knowing yourself, um, I think is, is a, a trait that is constantly overlooked.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, people don't really... You know, they they kind of over rotate on what they think they are and what they think they're not. And so desire is one, because you need to have that for staying power, because you're not always going to feel inflated and have like your ego just like give you that horsepower. Um, mm-hmm. curi- uh, number two would be curiosity. Uh, generally, when you are in somewhere in this in the context of like breaking into venture capital or breaking into a new industry. You have to be very comfortable being the dumbest person in the room. And you need to ask questions. And dude, I'm going to tell you something. People love talking about their core competency. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is next level. Like, people love talking about themselves and they love talking about stuff that they're know, what they know they're talking about. And there is no such thing as a dumb question. And if you give them an opportunity to tell you, they will. And if, you know, and like it literally is an opportunity to become a sponge, especially if you're into a new environment. So having that curiosity, the question is, is like what what information are you going to say, okay, that's an opinion or that's something to live by or that's, mm-hmm. you know, bullshit, right? And you have to kind of come up with your own framework on on what you believe. But curiosity is the next step. And the third is horsepower, right? You like having the ability to continually persist. No matter what. I there's a lot of people and i i didn't even like like i'm not i'm a newer person in this in in investment climate i've been doing this for eight years i don't consider myself a veteran at this but it's amazing i've been around for eight years and i've seen like like the same persona cycle through three times right (laughs) then manifesting in a different person and i go into uh into a startup event and literally it's completely new people and i'll like you know connect with somebody maybe he was an investor now and then he's a founder i'm like hey what's going on i'm like Oh shit! Remember this guy? You know, and we just like we're like rotate like it's just like the five or six archetypes that kind of continue to cycle because this business is hard, right? So being able to persist when stuff isn't good is important.
1: Yeah, I want to go back yeah, to right. curiosity real, really quickly, just because you know, Josh, you were actually talking about this the other day. Like, not only having curiosity, but like not losing that curiosity when you think you've got you know a a stable of understanding. Damn. Uh, because we were talking about this as it relates to salespeople because you see like oftentimes like those first, you know, trunks that three, four months or whatever we're like super curious, asking great questions and then suddenly like they turn the corner into like now I know what I'm talking about so like sit back and let me tell you you know what's going to happen or or what's happening here and like there's always a fall off when that takes Mm -hmm. place. Yeah,
0: yeah, I I think uh, natural curiosity is one of those things that if, if you can keep that it can take you so far. And, and whether it's sales or otherwise, and we're talking in the adventure here, but um, obviously I'm new to the venture game. So I'm curious about everything. Like, I'm asking everybody every question there is, but I, to Justin's point, it'd be great if uh, I don't lose that, which I don't think I did as a seller. So there,
2: there's something, um, there's a great book by Annie Duke, who is a poker player, called Thinking in Bets. And essentially, she distills people's decision making around, you know, is it skill or is it luck? And basically, we make decisions and have frameworks into our minds based on our own biases, right? And oftentimes, whatever happened to enforce those biases, they could have been luck or they could have been skill or they could have been both because mostly things are both, right? And so it's being able to distill what what really was what and, you know, looking at things and probabilistically because there are so many ways to make money in this business and, every there's they're all work and they all don't work at the same time so you just kind of have to pick your poison
0: yeah yeah so if you pivot to number three the the horsepower piece of it i think it's a very overplayed word but like the grind right like just the ability to to go and get up and have your bit of routine that keeps you on the straight and narrow. like i think most people are inherently have some routine in their life and leveraging that and being able to use that as a fallback to kind of get up and do the same thing every day i i'm I'm an early morning person i'm not saying everybody needs to be an early morning person it just is me but like i noticed the days when oh i'm gonna sleep in this morning i'm gonna get up at 6 30 5 i feel like shit the rest of the day right like i'm not as productive and this and that so i think just finding those regular rhythms that allow you to be consistent even when things kind of fall off is just super helpful no matter what it is you're doing. Just as, as far as keeping
1: motivated, to go on.
2: What what are your what are your rhythms, Justin? What do you do no matter what to kind of
1: keep yourself in the game? I mean, I largely do the same thing every day. Like it's weird because I I like a huge creature of habit, but I need like variance within pockets. So like, oh, maybe like you know, like I'm not like Josh. I work out in the afternoons, but like maybe from three to five I actually I think it's more like periods at work like I want to be able to do whatever I want to do at that moment within like my work construct but largely like I'm I'm off by six I I you know largely have kids at that point um you know I've already done my workout like I've given them a bath every day like literally I was thinking the other day like I think I've missed giving my kids a bath like a handful of times and they're you know six and and almost four at this point so like for me, I like it, it's not even necessarily that rhythm that gets me through, though. Like, I have to understand like what that ultimate goal is. Like, what am I striving to do? Whether it's just business or, or any of my past businesses and so on. Like, and that's where like my buy, my personal buy-in comes in.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's so hard, especially like in the beginning when you're early. You know how to. Someone told me once, like the what makes or breaks an early stage emerging manager is how you prioritize your time. Right. And how you keep track of your own time, because there's a gazillion things to do and they're all important.
0: hmm Yeah. And I think, I mean, I'll just speak super honestly here. Like a, a new manager, I don't necessarily know what those things are, right? Like, yeah, sure. You're trying to figure out what's important, how to prioritize and what to do. But for me, it's like, I just got to do, right? Hopefully it's, it's, it's the right things. I think it's the right things, but- I going back to strengths and weaknesses like, I think I'm good at connecting with people. So I'm like, I'm just going to connect with as many people as I can and try to learn from them, whether they're other venture yeah, hey. people, whether they're potential investors, whether, you know, people like you, like, that's what I spend my time doing. And hopefully the good things fall out of that. I think that's a hard part about starting anything new. If you're doing it on your own, how do you know what good looks like? Right. And that, I think that can be somewhat challenging. So even like coming out of home care into venture, were those people that you surrounded yourself early kind of write that shit for you or did you kind of write your own narrative? Yeah, no,
2: it's hard. It's hard because, you know, I mean, again, there's so many different ways to invest your capital in early stage. And um, there's a lot of people that everyone thinks they're great, right? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's just human nature. We're all kind of narcissists. And we all probably think that we're super great at what we do. Where I worked, there were two different strategies and you know, like y- y- you have conviction over a certain thing or a certain idea or a certain thesis and you go for it. And oftentimes it just doesn't come out to be that doesn't come out to be true. Right. right. And there's no the way to predict be. it. The thesis or the founder or, you know, the initial market, you know, but there's no really way to think like, I mean. Yeah. I mean, maybe you could have spent three years with the person beforehand before you make the investment. I don't know. Like, you know, it's just there's just certain things that just you don't know what's going to happen. And being humble enough to know that those things are not going to ha- that's not always going to fall into place. But being able to kind of figure it out after it's pretty painful. But, you know, this this business is all about predictions, too. And people love to, like, call their shot, like before they do it. So, well, I told them to do that. You know, <laughs> you know, that's like a very common thing.
1: But, well, something, you know, to the point of, like, you know, how do you understand if you're doing the right thing? Like, actually, something that you, you know, shared with me super early on was, like, you're, you're going to have, which goes against a lot of what I normally do, which is, like, you're going to have to say no to things that you, you know, have a strong inclination are not going to fit. And that has been, like, a monster time saver in terms of, you know, mm-hmm. just taking that conversation for the sake of taking it, which, you know, there I think even to Josh's point, like, You have to know broadly that something is the right direction and then you can you know go all in within that area but like you know i get a lot of referrals for like stuff like we are very vertical focused i get a lot of horizontal referrals and it's like if i took every single one of those conversations like i would get nothing else done um Mm -hmm. so i think it's you know like what is that uh saying like strong beliefs held loosely or or something along those lines like that Mm -hmm. that for me is like the most accurate depiction of not only this, this space, but like probably anyone's totally you know, career journey.
2: You know, and totally, and like when I like originally was like was like, yeah, no, I, I I need to do that too. And I was talking to a deal sourcing person who does sees five or six hundred deals a year, and I was like, I how do I get the people to really understand what I do and what I look for? So I just get like this qualified deal flow, and he's like, Dude, nobody gives a fuck, right, <laughs> oh, what you do, But, like they're gonna send stuff, and that's good in itself, right. So what I do is, like, if I receive it from somebody who actually might be qualified, right, to send a good deal later down the road, I'll take the 20-minute call. But if it's mm-hmm. cold or it's somebody I don't think is going to, like, send me something repeatedly, I just, I, I say no. So it's like everything's gray. Like, there's, yep. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like everything's gray. There's not a right answer to it.
0: Well, well you, you said the, the concept of, like, not a thesis and, like, knowing when to, you know, you're wrong sometimes or this and that. I think for us, like sure, we're t- in the middle of testing a thesis, but in venture, you don't microwave. Like nothing happens fast, really. Oh, no. no. Right. So, like, what is that live drinking? Like you got the crockpot on, you're waiting for that to simmer, <laughs> and you know you're hoping it comes out delicious. But you know what? What's the? How do you really know, know when your thesis is valid or not, and when you can cut bait and move in a different direction?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's certainly that's certainly the case and you know i mean businesses aren't aren't linear you know it's not even just the time right. horizon how long it takes a company to mature but i mean totally right yeah we i mean you guys have seen it you take a company from three to three people to ten people it goes like well, just breaks right? right and they go from 10 to 20 yeah. And blocks. The breaks yeah yeah and it's like you just have to like like block and manage through that and I was literally talking to a growth equity guy, you know, and who invests kind of like I, I, we invest, but later stage. And he's like, dude, we, this company was growing triple, you know, 300%. We funded it. It was our first deal. We were spending so much time on it. And it was like flat the next year and they're slamming their head against the wall. And they were just like, yeah, it's just like, dude, like, like the founder pulls away from the sales and, you know, because they're trying to company build and it's just these things just like, they Sometimes they just take time. And that's where, like, that's where, like, I, I have to get out. Of, I, as I said, I don't I don't identify as being an operator, right? I, I really don't. Like, so, you know, I would say I'm more of an Excel jockey than an operator. And to know, like, okay, that that cell did not come, like, to what it was supposed to be. Like, you know, there's a lot of leading indicators and parts that have to go through there, right? But, yeah, it's
1: a balance. So, in terms of, like, yeah. that, you know... Cause I certainly agree like that time aspect is, is, you know, unknowable, but as you're getting into a new space, right? Like, and you're remaining curious and, and, you know, like you're trying to absorb as much at the same time, you have to build credibility and, and trust within that space as well. Right? Like you have to come off as someone that someone wants you to write a check into their business and and they believe that you can help them and so on. So like, what, how, I guess just even how did you you know, how do you view credibility and, and trust there? And like, how did you build that within a space that is, you know, at the time was very new to you?
2: You know, I was lucky, you know, with Canal Partners, the second firm I did, you know, I, I was able to source two opportunities that turned out to be good. And, you know, they worked out well. And I had the opportunity to sit on the boards of both. Um, and I, I would say uh, founder references mean a lot um in, in, in the space. Um I the, the the founder references that I think I get and the founder references that I get are totally different though. It's really funny. It's like I think they're gonna say this, this, and this, but they say this, this, and this. They're so good, it's just different, right? I guess like Should founders Being this huh? different. Yeah, you know, it's like it, it's funny. It's like like when like I'll think a, a founder will say like, oh my God, David's fantastic. He's brilliant. You know what I mean? He's got this like an incredible finance mind. And, you know, and, you know, like the guy. Yeah, and then when I, the founder reference I got was, yeah, David. You know, he's not going to give you the best valuation. He's kind of cheap. He doesn't have a really good brand, but you know, like he's going to be there first and so he's going to stand by you, right? And I'm like, okay. You know, I'm not telling you that. To it. He's like, sometimes taking the brand doesn't doesn't help, right? The brand money doesn't like, you know, sometimes time to market is more important and having somebody that believes in you. Is more important than the brand, right? So that's a really good sure. example, and I was like, you know, I guess that works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah,
1: the um,
2: I I, think, I will say that there there is skill in being first, one hundred percent,
1: and there's skill yeah. in in being there for a founder as well, like in mm-hmm. in a really accessible way and and you know obviously a helpful way, um, which I think. Uh, I, you know, I've seen you do and I I totally underestimated in terms of the time balance in terms of like what, what goes into that, like counseling bucket versus like what goes into like, you know, straight line operations and things in our, in our case, obviously like I would expect like go to market operations to be the, the, the big pinnacle, which is a huge chunk, but like a lot of time that we spend is just, you know, talking through and like creating that grid they forgetting that that right. yeah, exactly uh for, for founders so not, not not a bad thing to be to be known for certainly as, as you get that type of feedback
0: uh-huh yeah i think the counseling
1: is a very much larger slice of the pie than we ever would have
0: imagined uh generally speaking and that it's often that weekend can call a hey, or text hey, you have a second to talk through something you're like oh no what what what's happening you know sunday afternoon but uh yeah but- it's it's certainly been interesting but you
2: know, what I think about the counseling piece is I was just thinking, I was like, how valuable really is that? Right? Like you're just like a you're just like a tree, right? Like someone's talking, talking at. Yeah. But but like now that I'm thinking back to examples, what that means is is that they trust you and that you're gonna get in you're gonna get non non you know, polluted information, right? Because I've been in situations where I have not had trust and you get bullshit and then it's too late by the time you get the truth right (laughs) and so where i can actually get where actually when i know the truth i can actually add value right um yeah and i i think that that probably is is the ultimate value is that like it's not the actual act of like the talking but it's like you have a clear channel
0: yeah you're getting that insight that
1: you otherwise wouldn't have access to so in terms of like as as you give advice to other folks that might be on like a similar trajectory? Like they want to get into a space, you know, either they've got an opportunity to, to, you know, come in or not. You mentioned something around like being able to be, to know yourself, be honest with yourself and, and really leverage those, those strengths and so on. Like what, what, what advice would you give to someone as they're just embarking on that process?
2: I would say there's like a lot of, work that I think people have done online about like doing like personal personal mission statements and like you know finding your own specific like value drivers right and I think that that actually has a lot of a lot of power if I looked at my career prior to being a venture capitalist from being a bartender to being a scuba diving instructor to you know working as a case manager within a behavioral health center there's three things that are constant they're like I've I've loved my job and I've hated my job so how is that possible it's the same job right and it's, it's how I use the skills within those jobs. And so what I learned after doing one of these exercises is that learning, growing, and being impactful are kind of like, my, like my, my drivers, right? Those are my power drivers. Those get me emotional juice. So if I'm learning, I'm growing within my, you know, and that's continually challenging myself and I'm being impactful, i.e. being a resource to people, providing value, then, dude, I'm fucking happy as fuck. Right. If I'm doing, you know, if I'm crunching Excel numbers and, you know, like seeing shitty pitches and doing all this other stuff, like, yeah, that, it's the same job, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just, it's my, my framing of how I'm doing the job. I think finding what the drivers are for, for each specific person is is really important. And then, dude, you got to, I don't know what stage you are in your career, but sometimes you just got to burn the ships. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Great, great, great closing sentiment there. That's so accurate. Uh, so, hey, man, like, if people want to know more about you, find out more about DWP, like, what's the best channel for them to, to dive in?
2: Yeah, so uh, I have plug the a, podcast. I'm going to plug my podcast. I've got a podcast called The Capital Stack. You can... Find it on all your platforms, Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I have a blog called Ramblings, which is essentially me rambling on at 3 45 AM. I think Josh reads it. Um religious. I dude. do. Uh, <laughs> very, very <laughs> <great>. always re- <laughs> he's always on it. And um I'm learning. And hey <laughs> yeah, you are. Uh you guys are doing great. And uh LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So David Paul at BC just DM me and um you know, you can uh,
1: reach me any of those three ways and happy to chat. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. We, we absolutely appreciate it. As always, uh, folks out there, like give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a follow as well. We're doing the same thing, building an audience and until next time, thanks for listening to the cheat code.